Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I'm Amy Zalmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I am going to be talking with Dr. Randall Benson about taking the mystery out of TBI through research. So Faces of TBI is a podcast series for survivors by survivors raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February 2014, and I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. And I recently launched the Brain Health Magazine, and you can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And also, don't forget to join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Randall Benson, and he is a globally regarded behavioral neurologist and imaging neuroscientist who is recognized for his advances in the diagnosis and treatment of brain disorders. During his fellowship at Mass General in the 1990s, he pioneered the use of fMRI to map language in neurosurgical patients with tumors and epilepsy. Dr. Benson's research and clinical practice through the Center for Integrated Neurology and the Center for Neurological Studies are strongly focused on disorders of the brain and cognition. His commitment to finding novel ways to enhance recovery of function after stroke led to multiple foundation and industry-sponsored investigations into the use of targeted electrical magnetic stimulation of the brain in motor and language impairment following the stroke. Dr. Benson's research on brain disorders is high impact and cutting edge. And welcome to the podcast, Dr. Benson. I'm very excited to have you here today. Well, I'm very excited to be here. So I always like to start by asking our guests how they came to be part of the brain injury community. So how what, what led you down this path of um, research and brain injury? Well, that, that's always a uh, sort of funny uh, answer for me because um, I had the opportunity after residency to do a brain injury fellowship, and, uh, and I um, did not do that. I didn't do it because I thought brain injury was just too messy and too chaotic and I had my, I had always, always had my heart set on language um, and language disorders. So I uh, set sail and uh, went over to Mass General and um, and uh, for about uh, oh ten or fifteen years was was all about uh, something called aphasia, uh, which is acquired language impairment usually after stroke. You see a little bit in brain injury. And then about uh, 2002, 2003, when I got to Wayne State uh, and uh, was the faculty at Wayne State, I um, uh, connected with a uh, fairly 
well-known, uh, world-renowned um, MRI physicist who had just developed uh, a technique that blew the doors off every other uh, method for identifying tiny little hemorrhages in the brain that, you know, were pretty typical of what you see with brain injury. And, um, and I had an interest in another technique, another MRI technique called diffusion tensor imaging, which I thought uh, was uh, going to be the equivalent uh, technique for looking at damaged white matter fibers, what we call axons, uh, in the brain. And so he looked at me, I looked at him, and, and we sort of, you know, simultaneously said, well, it uh, looks like we've got to do brain injury now. Um, and I recognize that we didn't really have a very good method of identifying brain injury in, in mild brain injury or concussion. And uh, so, you know, my goal was to develop um, an imaging protocol uh, using uh, advanced MRI techniques that would allow us to actually see the damage that CAT scan couldn't see and that regular MRI uh, couldn't see. Because I knew, you know, I, I knew uh, already that uh, there was more there and that there were a lot of, a lot of my patients were suffering. And, uh, and part of the suffering was that there was no real good, uh, let's say, well-accepted method of, of even uh, diagnosing concussion was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I thought, hey, you know, with my imaging background, uh, I've already kind of been there and done it um, uh, using functional MRI. Um, how hard could it be, um, you know, for, for TBI? So that, that was kind of my, uh, my, my entree. Yeah, you know, you said you didn't want to get into brain injury because it can be messy and, you know, complicated and confusing. And, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm like, all the more reason we need more doctors to understand brain injury because you're absolutely right. It is complicated and confusing and hard to navigate. And, you know, the average person who sustains a concussion, you know, mild traumatic brain injury, um, and has those prolonged symptoms, like once you get into those prolonged symptoms, it gets harder and harder and harder and harder to find a doctor who will listen to you, who believe you, who has any idea what to do with you. Um, and so I'm just, you know, it, it makes me so happy to know that there are people like you out there. And, you know, fMRI, I think, is such a fascinating Um, I had some functional imaging done when I went to cognitive effects in Utah. And I mean, you know, I, I had already been to a functional neurologist and he was able to assess me and he had already told me where my deficits were and, you know, the fMRI just validated it all. And it's like, you know, why, why can't traditional doctors understand any of this? And, um, you know, I had Dr. Uzma Samadani, who is a neurosurgeon here in the Twin Cities. Um, you know, she explained to me that doctors, neurologists in particular, they want to see imaging. They want to see the problem. You know, like an orthopedic doctor wants to see the broken bone or the damaged tendon. Um, 
And when you can't see that because it doesn't show up on traditional imaging, they don't know what to do. And so I'm hopeful that with stuff that you guys are doing, that we'll get more attention on this and like, see, look, this is why they have aphasia. This is why they're having cognitive difficulties. This is why, you know, they can't remember things. Um, so, uh, you know, let's, let's kind of segue into this imaging and what are you seeing in this imaging and where do you see it taking us into the future in managing concussion patients? Well, I look at the imaging um, as sort of the, uh, the first line, right? So somebody comes to me and they've got a good story uh, for a TBI. You know, there was some kind of a trauma and they have symptoms and the symptoms are, you know, the type of symptoms that you see with brain injury, which means, uh, well, I, I divide... I divide brain injury into three syndromes these days. One is sort of the cognitive and, and emotional, or what we call affective. Um, but the second is what I call neurometabolic. And the third is what I call neurosensory. So let, let me start with the neurosensory, because uh, the first two were, I think, fairly obvious. Uh, the neurosensory, and, and a lot of docs don't get this, that uh, just because you have a brain injury, it doesn't, it doesn't prevent you or preclude you from having an inner ear injury. Um, the inner ear structures are really um, susceptible to trauma. They result in things like uh, tinnitus or ringing in the ear, uh, balance dysfunction, and hypersensitivity to noise or sounds, what we call hyperacusis. Now, we see this, I see this clinically all the time, um, and it's, it's something that we've actually learned how to treat. Um, it's not something that most docs um, want to deal with, and uh, it, typically what they'll say is, oh, you know, um, this is your new norm. Get used to it. Well, initially, Amy, as you know, uh, they'll say, well, you should be fine in a few weeks to a few months, right? Isn't that what they do? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Six and to eight then, weeks. Okay. All right. So then you hit your one-year anniversary, and you're still not back to baseline. And the same neurologist will say, uh, well, get used to this it. This is the best you're going to get? <laughs> this is the best you're going to get. Right. So you talk about hypocrisy. How can – how can they tell you uh-huh. uh, uh-huh. you'll be fine and then turn around in a year and say, oh, sorry, um, get used to it. I mean, talk about mixed messages. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like Donald Trump talking about coronavirus, right? <laughs> um, yeah. but, we don't, but we don't crucify doctors for, for telling patients these things. So the other uh, – I do. <laughs> Yeah. The, the other syndrome that doesn't get a whole lot of, um, uh, let's say, a whole lot of talk is, is pituitary insufficiency. Mm, uh, yeah. And again, this is not something that most docs know about. Um, frequently, I have docs on the other side uh, saying, oh, this is voodoo medicine. It's not voodoo medicine. 
Um, why would the pituitary gland, which is a master gland in the body, which sits right underneath the brain, uh, not get injured uh, in a pretty significant or repetitive head injury? Um, so we figured this out about 10 years ago, um, and we started testing. We started doing a definitive uh, testing, something called a growth hormone stimulation test. I work closely now with my second endocrinologist, and we're doing research, um, uh, just like our, our uh, name, the Center for Neurological Studies, uh, says. Uh, we're doing research, and right now we have a study going on with former NFL players, um, many of which I, we estimate, Eric and I estimate, maybe as high as uh, 80%. Now, he's Eric Hippel. Um, I know you're going to do a podcast with him. He's a former quarterback. Uh, for the Detroit Lions, and um, he's going to talk about his experience, certainly. Uh, but what we're finding is that about 80% of former NFL players have growth hormone deficiency, and it's caused by their traumas. But I see this in, in motor vehicle accident patients all the time. In fact, uh, I just got some numbers, um, 500 patients uh, since 2015 um, yeah, since 2015, uh, we have uh, we have done uh, pituitary studies on, and I would say probably three quarters of them come back positive. This is a deal breaker. If you're trying to recover from a brain injury and you don't have the requisite growth hormone in your body, uh, you will be sluggish. You will have sleep issues. You will have emotional issues. Life will not be good. It is treatable. Uh, if you don't think about it, you won't test for it. If you don't test for it, you're never going to know. Most docs in this country do not know about this. I know that because I am, um, well, probably the leading uh, neurology expert um, in, um, in litigated cases across the country. Um, so I, I know what the practice habits are across the country. And I know how difficult it is even to find um, an endocrinologist that will do the testing, especially if you, as I did, uh, mentioned that you've got uh, former NFL players, uh, stigma around, um, around juicing. Um, so in any event, um, there are things that uh, – that produce symptoms in addition to brain damage itself. And if you don't look for these things, then you're not doing justice for your patients. You certainly can't help them recover. Uh, but we do this, and we're making a huge difference um, in people's lives, I'm, I'm happy to say. So, Dr. Benson, if somebody's listening and is resonating with this, who, yeah. like, how would they try to go about getting the growth hormone testing done? Well, I would say that what they should do is get on our website, and <clears throat> there's a ton of information on our website. And the website is www.neurologicstudies.com. I'll say that again, www neurologicstudies.com. Uh, our phone number is 313-228-0930. Uh, 
um, our our private practice. So I, I could potentially, especially now with uh, with COVID, uh, use telemedicine two four eight two seven seven three 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 four. I'm seeing who are not in the Detroit area, um, and I additionally have patients have had patients come from uh, uh, well uh, as far out as Washington State um, uh, to see me. So. I would say that uh, if if what we're trying to do is confirm a diagnosis, um, start with start with getting in contact with us. Otherwise, it's it's a struggle to find the right people that uh, that will do the testing. Yeah, yeah. So just going to your your neurologist or your primary physician, um, you're probably not going to get anywhere. You're not going to get anywhere. Um, unless uh, unless you're really lucky, um, and it's somebody that um, you know that may be in the know. Um, you know, I'm talking about Mayo Clinic and the Cleveland Clinic. They they don't do this. Um, nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, and people are often disappointed. They think, all right, we're going to the mecca for medicine. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it just you know, unfortunately, it's it's not really the way things play out. Michigan was what was known as a no-fault state up until very recently, which, um, which means that auto insurance uh, was uncapped, which meant that regardless of liability, who caused the accident, if it happened in Michigan, uh, you could get the care that you needed for the rest of your life, catastrophic or otherwise. So what that meant 25 years ago actually longer than that, was that people, and I'm talking about my colleagues, my peers, they knew they could make a living treating brain injury, and they got really, really good at it. So when, when I switched my interest to, uh, to brain injury and then opened up um, our nonprofit and my private practice in 2011, I, I had colleagues that, that were – so invested in brain injury treatment. Um, uh, Debbie Feinberg um, is an optometrist who excels in the treatment of a condition called binocular visual dysfunction. That is a brain condition that affects vision. Um, and she also uh, has pioneered uh, the use of noise-canceling earbuds uh, for hyperacusis, which uh, which is a frequent symptom of, of brain injury because when you have injury to the brain, um, the brain no longer filters stimuli the way that it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so people have trouble hearing in, in, you know, in, in, you know, in crowds. They can't focus. They're distractible. Um, they, <clears throat> you know, the anxiety level goes up. Um, some people, you know, it's interesting because I grew up with a sister who had this. Um, some people have what's called misophonia after their brain yes. injury. Yep. Oh, so you're familiar with that? I am, but most of our listeners probably are not. <laughs> oh, okay. So misophonia is it's sort of taking this hyperacusis to the next level. Chewing sounds, um, uh, breathing um, bothers people that, that are hypersensitive to stimulus. 
um, and and it almost becomes obsessive. Um, but you know, it's it's not that people are crazy, and oftentimes they're they're told that they are. And yes. It, it, it can ruin relationships. Obviously, if you can't eat with your spouse. Um, because of your newfound hypersensitivity, but this is what we see. And, and um, yeah, there's, there's so much to tell. Um, I, I'll just, I'll just quiet myself down for a minute. <laughs> um, so, but I do just want to take a moment to mm. address the hypersensitive sound. Like that mm. is yeah. treatable, correct? It, it, it is. So what we have found in the last five years is that oftentimes, um, there, there is a treatable cause of this hypersensitivity. So one cause of the hypersensitivity um, is damage to the inner ear structures. And there's a condition uh, called third window syndrome. And, and essentially what that means is that there's a hole in the structures that's not supposed to be there, and it's caused by the trauma. So the trauma literally causes a defect in the membrane of, of the cartilage. And when that happens, then sensory information is, um, is, not, um, is not being processed uh, the way that it's supposed to. Um, and there can be um, crosstalks um, between, um, let's say, sound and balance. So that mm-hmm, certain mm-hmm. sounds, uh, shrill sounds, can actually induce uh, balance problems and cause vertigo. And, and the same is true with vision. So uh, especially um, visual motion can, can induce uh, vertigo, nausea. Um, I've had patients over the years, I had a, a pro soccer player uh, that, he was done playing soccer after his, uh, after his head injury, which turned out, I think, to be more of an inner ear injury. But this is before we really understood this. But the bottom line is you, you can fix these defects. We, we have ENTs that we work with now, uh, and not every ENT either gets this, treats it, um, or right. creates it. Um, and, and that's often a problem, as, as you know, um, you know, as well as anybody, finding the right doc that gets it is three-quarters of the battle. Yes, um, yes. And, and so, so we do. We, we have people that can treat it. What we've also found is that growth hormone deficiency affects uh, sensory processing as well. So typically people who have, who have severe growth hormone deficiency – uh, have sensitivity to temperature, sensitivity to touch, uh, sensitivity to sound, smell, um, sometimes vision. Um, and when you treat uh, the growth hormone deficiency with subcutaneous growth hormone injections, which are the easiest thing in the world, uh, people within two weeks uh, tell us that their symptoms are um, are getting better, and in three months, uh, most patients are um, are living a quality of life that they hadn't dreamed of since their injury. And that's simply just from taking the injections and not even doing 
any other forms of treatment? That's right. Uh, in wow. fact, my algorithm, my algorithm is when I see a patient, you know, I, I basically uh, uh, acquire the laundry list of symptoms. Um, and, and based on the symptom in- inventory, I pretty much, and, and certainly the imaging informs that, I have a pretty good idea of, of what the injury uh, was and how it affects the brain and the nervous system. Based on that, well, not based on that, uh, very early on uh, in the game where if, if the questionnaires indicate there's a high likelihood, we're going to do the endocrine testing. We're, we're going to see if there's deficiency of growth hormone or testosterone or adrenal insufficiency, which is uh, relatively common too, um, again, caused by a pituitary injury because the adrenal doesn't secrete cortisol if the pituitary doesn't secrete ACTH uh, to trigger it. Um, So it's not just about the adrenal. It all starts in that master gland. So we typically at intake, we do the imaging. We... Uh, again, if it's indicated, uh, we'll have a patient see the optometrist um, who will test them for binocular visual dysfunction. Um, you know, I'll do my intake, and we'll get the imaging. And, and so we routinely do this. We've been, we've been doing this for years. Uh, we get a ton of information in a couple of days. And at that point, we know what's going on. And... Um, you know, I would say probably 90% of the time uh, we can help the person. Yeah. And, you know, I just can't stress enough how important um, lab work is, right? Like I I know you're testing, you know, more specifically for the growth hormone and um, adrenal. um, But just, I mean, if you have any other underlying metabolical condition going on too, you know, um, that can wreak havoc on your recovery. And I I feel like that's a huge missing link in traditional medicine. Um, And it, I mean, (laughs) your blood runs your body. I mean, you can't live without your blood, right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. And um, years ago, um, I, uh, uh, because my son at the age of six, uh, was starting to tick, and he was hyperactive, and he was oppositional defiant, and um, and he was diagnosed with um, uh, a syndrome called PANDAS, which is an acronym. Oh, mm-hmm. Basically, it's it's cross-reactive antibody uh, from the strep uh, bacteria to a part of the brain called the basal ganglia, and uh, he tested positive for this. One of the things in, in treating this that we found was omega-3 fatty acids, um, which, you know, everybody talks about, hears about, certainly in relation to cardiac problems. But the truth is the brain needs omega-3. It's, the membranes are comprised of omega-3 fish oil. And what I can tell you is it's had a profound effect on my son. Um, from social anxiety to his focus. Um, and my research has told me that omega-3s are huge, uh, 
particularly when the brain is under any kind of stress, regardless of the cause. Certainly brain injury um, is a stressor to the brain. Um, but, but you're right. Um, it's not just about omega-3s. The brain needs certain nutrients and cofactors, and, um, and the stress that we see with uh, post-concussive syndrome um, uh, can cause secondary problems. Uh, uh, Brett Mazel, a, a neurologist in Texas, um, writes about the uh, systemic effects of brain injury and how it is a chronic disease. Um, and part of the reason is it affects metabolism. When your metabolism is, is affected, um, you know, let, let's say you have low growth hormone, you will gain weight. Um, and, in fact, I saw somebody yesterday via telemedicine who came to me uh, a couple of years ago, weighing um, in the mid 300s, um, very very bright woman, had suffered a childhood brain injury, and was living like this. Went to a zillion physicians, uh, as she told me again yesterday, who had nothing to offer her. We found that she had growth hormone deficiency. She's lost uh, 150 pounds now and uh, which has completely transformed her life. Um, she's doing yoga. Um, she is, uh, you know, she's living the life, beginning to live the life that, that she always wanted to, uh, but couldn't because her metabolism um, had basically uh, taken over her life. Um, and, and, and so metabolism is, is a big part mm-hmm. of this, and it's, Hard to recover from brain injury if you don't um, yeah. if you don't identify and treat metabolic uh, derangements. Yeah, yeah, I hear it's a very common complaint. Honestly, mostly among women, but I hear it from men as well. You know that they just. I mean, I know for myself, I put on fifty pounds in a year. Uh, there was just nothing I could do. I mean, I wasn't eating any differently. It was just, I just kept coming on and then you know on the on the reverse end of that i i also meet people who lose a ton of weight they they can't put it back on um so yeah metabolism i mean you know it only makes sense especially if you physically hit your head right and the, the pituitary gland and just i mean everything is just so interconnected in our brains um and so it's really frustrating when your traditional doctors just keep telling you, oh, there's nothing wrong. Oh, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> it's like, uh, there's got to be, right? And then, Do- and then once doctors, you do find the answers yeah. and you do find the, the correct help, it's just like, wow, I wasted two, three, ten years. And, you know, I could have found the answers sooner, which, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about getting these resources out to people. Well, I, I really compliment you. Uh, we, we, need, um, we need you and, and more people to spread the word. I mean, it, it, to be honest, I, I spread the word using uh, personal injury attorneys across the country um, because, you know, they have yeah. two goals. One is to help their clients, get them to the right treaters, um, and the other is to – you know, to put money in their pocket because so often 
uh, with a brain injury, you can't work or you can't work at the level that you could. Um, you know, many of my patients um, end up having to foreclose on their homes. Um, you know, the insurance company, you know, essentially uh, closes the claim and says, uh, you yeah, know, you should be better by now. You, you had a concussion. Well, uh, we now know uh, that it's only about uh, a 50-50 proposition whether you're going to come back uh, close to 100% from a concussion. Now, imagine you've got somebody that's had multiple concussions, like a lot of our athletes do. Um, it's almost, you know, it's almost a guarantee that you're not going to come back to 100%. Um, so I have attorneys, hundreds of attorneys that I work with uh, all over the country that, uh, that are really my missionaries in a sense. They, they are spreading the word, not the doc so much. Um, and it, it sounds a little crazy, but, you know, um, you, you do what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. So we are just about out of time and gosh, I could just keep talking to you for like another hour. Um, you know, the growth hormone thing is, is really fascinating. Um, and something that really isn't talked about. Um, I have heard it come up, um, in other avenues, but, um, it, it definitely is not talked about. It doesn't have the attention it deserves. Um, but we are down to our last few minutes. And I would just like to ask, mm-hmm. you know, if you have any final parting thoughts for our listeners today, like maybe a good first step. Uh, well, a good first step is, like I said before, getting on our website, uh, because there really is just a, a lot of information there. And, you know, if, if the idea is to figure out uh, if you can get help, uh, then doing kind of a pattern match with some of the descriptions and testimonials that we have on the website. We've got, uh, we've got veterans um, from, from the, the, the Gulf Wars uh, with testimonials. We've got uh, regular folk with uh, car accidents. We've got, uh, obviously, uh, uh, former players. Um, uh, the inner ear, we talk about the vision issues. Um, I, I think, look, if, if you've had a concussion or a more severe injury and, and you're still suffering, uh, there are things that certainly can be done. I, I would say that, you know, having seen over a thousand patients in the past 10 years or so, um, there are very few patients that, that we cannot help uh, that come to us in distress. Um, and, and, and so I'm confident saying that if, if that's you, uh, if you've got sensory issues, if you've got fatigue, insomnia, you know, if you wake up in the morning <laughs> and you can't get out of bed, or, or it's difficult to get yourself moving, and it wasn't before, um, you've got metabolic issues. Yeah. And there's a good chance that you've got growth hormone deficiency. Um, you know, and that's not something that gets better on its own. In fact, it, we think it gets worse over time. Um, now, if you're 80 to 85 years old and your growth hormone is low, well, congratulations. You know, you're a, you're a healthy 85-year-old. But if you've got the growth hormone level, 
in your 30s of somebody in their 80s, then, you know, there's no congratulations. Yeah. This is something that's treatable. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to push yourself day after day after day to do simple chores. Um, that is something that is treatable. Um, and, and, again, the, the cog- we haven't talked about the cognitive issues. Um, believe it or not, um, the cognitive issues, you know, if you take care of the, the sensory and you take care of the metabolic, the mild cognitive issues, either you can compensate pretty well for, uh, uh, for because you have the spunk and the energy and the motivation to do it, or um, there are compensatory mechanisms. Certainly we have smartphones that do a lot. And mm-hmm. in addition to that, we have techniques like neurofeedback, which um, – for those of you who don't know what that is, it, it's a way of inducing um, what we call neuroplasticity in the brain uh, using uh, effectively computer games in combination with real-time EEG monitoring. And, um, and we find that this is a very effective method once we've treated the other stuff, right? Because we don't want to put somebody through a rigorous, cognitive therapy of any sort if if their metabolism is off or if they get sick uh, just by looking at a computer screen. So we have to fix those things first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I appreciate you being here today so much, Dr. Benson. This has just been wonderful information and I suspect pretty much everyone listening can relate. Um, I giggled when you were talking about, you know, not being able to get out of bed or feeling sluggish or getting your daily chores done because that's probably the vast majority of everyone listening. Um, You know, I look back at that first year after my brain injury and I don't know how I got anything done. I mean, I was just swimming through thick, thick mud Um, Mm. you know, like everything was moving in slow motion and, um, I'm, I'm fortunate that I am where I am today, but I know many of those listening are still struggling and, um, I just want to, um, your website again is neurologicstudies.com and I do have that in the show notes. So anyone listening can go in the show notes and click on that. Um, but I just really appreciate you being here today, Dr. Benson. And um, thank you so much for sharing all of this. And and really thank you for doing the work that you're doing because it is so needed. Well, and, and thank you for spreading the word and for giving me the opportunity, you know, to uh, to give my message. Uh, I'm trying to reach as many people as possible that are that are suffering out there, um, and it, mm-hmm. it pains me, uh, frankly, that there's only one of me. Um, right. I, I wish. Can you we know, clone I you? Were, <laughs> I, honestly, it it it's so frustrating when I when I see patients that have, uh, you know, been struggling for you know two or five years, and um, and and then you know within a few months they're doing so much better. It's it's just wasted time. Um, so anything that we can do to get the word out and, and to get the care to people that really need it, um, is, um, you know, is, is, is my goal. Yeah. 
Well, I, I appreciate it. And again, thank you for being here today. It's been a great discussion. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know um, for me, it was a lot of new information. So I hope that a lot of you took away some golden nuggets from today's talk with Dr. Benson. Um, just a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And also, be sure to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook to connect with other survivors and caregivers. And also you can find past episodes at facesoftbi.com. You can find all of our past podcast episodes and you can also subscribe on most streaming platforms such as iTunes or Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio. So thank you all so much for listening and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you in the next episode.